stuff. It's episode 59 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and you found the show where I talk to the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And on today's show, I talk to author Josh Funk. And if you know anything about the Good Stuff Kids podcast, we love everything that is funky. And that includes Josh Funk and his amazing books. I've never written a book before, and it was really cool to talk to Josh to hear about all the work that he goes through to make sure that his books are great and appropriate and certified good stuff for kids and families. Hope everyone's having a very, very good week. It's, uh, we got a sick kid here at the Good Stuff Ranch, and having a sick kid's no fun. It means we got to move everything around, but all we care about is that our little three-year-old gets better soon. Thanks for listening. If you need anything, anything and anything and anything and anything and anything about the Good Stuff Kids podcast, just go to www.goodstuffpod.com. And big news, we're on Stitcher now. Just go to Stitcher and search for Good Stuff Kids. If that's how you get your podcast, great. If you get your podcasts on iTunes, great. If you just go to the website, great. All of these ways are certified and bona fide ways to get the Good Stuff Kids podcast. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, like, share, do all these things. They're all very, very helpful to your buddy, Mike. That's me, the host of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. Thanks a lot. Four plus one coming at you right now. Top four songs from my car plus one I try to get my kids to listen to. Was it a winner? Coming in at number four this week is Pata Pata by Miriam Makeba. Have you ever heard this song? It's great. in at number three is There's a Hippo in My Tub by Joni Bartels. There's a hippo in my tub Singing in the shower She's having such a jolly time She'll be in there at least an hour The bathroom's filled with bubbles So that I can barely see Number two is an all-time classic that needs almost zero introduction. Willie was a whale and he walked on the water and he tried to be wolf and he tried to be tough. But Willie wasn't Willie Wolf, he wasn't Wolf at all, he was a Willie White whale and he walked on the water, oh yeah. And so maybe that's not entirely fair, but that song is Willie Was a Whale by Justin Roberts. Coming in at number one this week is in honor of the Jewish holiday Purim. And there's a bad guy in the story of Purim called Haman. And every time you hear his name, you're supposed to boo. He's a bad dude. This song is called Haman Boo by the Macaroons. And we love to boo Haman. Sometimes you just need a song with lots of booing and big, 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 big drums. Our plus one this week is from the band Weezer from the album Maladroit, and the song is called Dope Nose. I played this for my kids, and I thought for sure it was going to be a winner. So guess what? It was not a winner. 
If you liked any of these songs that you heard on this week's countdown, you can find all of this music on Spotify, Amazon, or Apple Music. Support these artists. Enjoy a little more of Dope Nose by Weezer. Uh, awesome to welcome author Josh Funk to the Good Stuff Kids podcast. How are you, Josh? Oh, I'm I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. It is it's a pleasure. I, I stumbled upon you right. You weren't like sitting there, and I tripped. But um, on Twitter, you're a you're a very you're a very good tweeter, I would say. Um, and uh, I found you, and I and I I found some of your books, and uh, I thought it would be great to talk to you. You seem like the kind of creative type that really is. Um, sort of under the umbrella of what we're trying to do here, which is talk to the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. So, how did you how did you decide to start becoming a, a children's book writer? Well, it's interesting, actually. Uh, it was mostly just because I had kids. Uh, I did not grow up with the dream of becoming an author. I am a software engineer. I've been a, I've been working since since college as a software engineer for the last ten or fifteen years, um, and when I when I had kids, I read a lot to them, and I had a lot of favorite books that I that I liked to read to them. And uh, right right now, my kids are almost twelve and eight, and uh, about five and a half years ago, I was really into some of the books that we had. It was just amazing art. And some really cool ideas and really creative stuff. And I thought that I figured I wanted to try and do it. And um, and that's that's really how I started. I didn't. I, I'm not an English major. I am not a. You know, I don't know too much about Greek mythology and you know Homer and reading all these you know fancy books. But I, I read a lot of kids' books, and I I really liked it. And I had uh, had some fun trying to write and it was a lot harder than I thought it would be but um yeah but yeah. it's um but there there's a lot of great resources out there for people who are interested in in writing for children and um and I found them uh not it wasn't too hard I found a local class taught at my uh at my local high school um through the adult education they introduced me to the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators which is the worst acronym ever, uh, SCBWI. It's, um, but it, 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 to be fair, it started in the '70s before acronyms were a thing. So, um, <laughs> but uh, they, uh, yeah, there's, it's an international organization. There's chapters all over the the world, and there, there's so many great region regional events uh, across the United States and Canada and and uh, Australia and I I, uh, I assume all over the world and. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I started going to some conferences, met some people, made some friends, learned about the business of writing, the craft of writing, and a few years later, I got I got really lucky, and I I tricked a couple publishers into, <laughs> into deciding to publish some of my books. Uh-huh. Yeah. Nice. So um, before we get into yours, what were like maybe two of the ones that you read with your kids where you were like, oh, this is great. Like I I would like to take a crack at this. Sort of the inspiration. Yeah, what one of them? It, it was called Iggy. Oh, it is called Iggy Peck Architect, and it's the same uh, author and illustrator, Andrea Beattie and David Roberts. They wrote 
uh, Rosie Revere Engineer, and a new one just came out recently, Ada Twist Scientist. Our, fr- our friend Ada Twist, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And, and they, they've been New York Times bestsellers, but, uh, and, and for good reason. Um, but I, I found that it, this is before Rosie Revere and Ada Twist came out. I was really into Iggy Peck. I thought it was, it was great rhyming, and it was advanced language, and it entertained the parent kind of on that, Rocky and Bullwinkle Pixar level, but also the kids. And this was just, it was such an interesting topic. I mean, architecture, you don't see that in picture books very often. Um, you see construction, but not architecture. Uh, so that, that really in, entertained me and intrigued me and, and opened some doors as to, you could do some different things in picture books, at least that, than I remembered. And another one that I really loved is the, the Curious Garden by Peter Brown. Oh, okay. Um, Peter Brown is an author illustrator. He's been at it for 10 or 15 years and he's done some amazing stuff. He's won a Caldecott honor for creepy carrots. But this book, The The Curious Garden, just the art is what drew me in, pun intended, I guess. But it, the, it, was, it was amazing art and um, I had it as my background on my computer for a while. Um, and it just, it's about a boy, Liam, who, uh, who lives in, I think, the, the skyline of New York City or somewhere in there. And, and it's, uh, I don't know New York that well, so I'm probably saying the wrong places. But <laughs> there was, a, there was um, a garden that sort of started growing, and this little boy, Liam, helped cultivate it. And soon it you know, slowly grew throughout the city. But um, it, was, it was a great art. It was a, it's, a, it's a relatively simple story, but it was told so well. And, um, and the art was what what really made me got me excited. Are you familiar with that one? The Curious I don't, Garden. I don't know that one, but uh, it you know you're selling it so well done. Yeah, yeah it sounds interesting. Really cool. Um, so you have three books at this point with a fourth on the way. Is that right? Yeah, I I in in the last just over a year I've had three books come out. Um, Whoa. And, yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, my first book came out in September of 2015, Lady Pancake and Sir French Toast, uh-huh. and um, that one's published by Sterling, illustrated by Brendan Kearney. Uh, he lives in England. I've never met him, oh, but he's done an amazing, amazing job. I couldn't be happier with with everything he's done, um, and that book did pretty well, and it really connected with a lot of people just for its silliness, I think. Um and the sequel to that is coming out this spring. It's called The Case of the Stinky Stench. Uh, it's another Lady Pancake and Sir French Toast story. And in this one, uh, Sir French Toast's nephew, Inspector Croissant, has <laughs> asks them for help to, to try to determine what the, the stinky stench is that's that's threatening to destroy the fridge and, uh, and everything that's in it. And so, you know, it's more, more silliness. We go a little deeper into the fridge this time. And um, yeah, and so that's coming out this spring. But this last fall in, in 20, 2016, um, I had two books come out a week apart with two different publishers. Wow. Um, and uh, I, I kind of sold all three books at the same time. And then I also got an agent at the same time. Hi, Kathleen. And, um, and so altogether, I, I didn't have as, as much control over what might come out and when. And, and, um, and as an author, you never really do. But uh-huh. But so, uh, yeah, my, my second book, Pyrosaurs, it's about pirate dinosaurs, yeah. illustrated, by, illustrated by Michael Slack and, um, and published by Scholastic. It, uh, it features a it's, – it's sort of probably my, my youngest of the picture books that I've done, I, you know, good for the two to six age. Um, it's, 
it's a bouncy story about some pirate dinosaurs and the youngest one is new to the crew and helps them try to find some treasure and avoid enemies and things like that. And um, he did an amazing job illustrating, Michael did. And uh, and that came out in, in September, uh, sorry, August 30th. And then a week later, um, on September 6th, Dear Dragon came out, which is with Penguin and illustrated by Rodolfo Montalvo. And uh, that one is, I, I'm, I'm really proud of all my books. Um, but yeah, that one I dedicated to my wife. So it's something special about that one. And um, it's about a boy and a dragon who are pen pals, but they don't realize they're writing to a different species. So on every page, uh, you see what the, the boy is writing in a letter to the dragon and the dragon imagines that the boy is building a fort or that the boy, when he won his volcano, uh, his, his science fair with a volcano, that it's a real volcano. And then the same thing happens in the other direction. So that when the dragon writes a letter, the boy uh, imagines that, oh, his, his father won the local fire breathing contest. He imagines a circus performer or yeah. that his, uh, his, he gave his Bengal kitten a bath and it's a, it's really a Bengal tiger, not, not a tiny little kitten right. and things like that. Right. And then they meet at the end of the year at the pen pal picnic. And, um, yeah, I've had, I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, that sounds really I, fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, the, the coolest thing, not being an illustrator myself. And I tell kids all the time, keep working on your art because, uh, the, the example I give is there's a page in Lady Pancake and Sir French Toast where there's a bean avalanche. And um, and I, I tell them that Brendan Kearney, the illustrator, he said he spent a week coloring in beans. Oh and if you gosh. want if you want it to be your job to color in beans for a living, then keep working on your art because it could be your job someday to color in beans. Um, but yeah, I wish I could draw. But the coolest thing about it is I come up with these silly ideas in my head and someone else is going to draw them. Mm-hmm. And I, I got these awesome illustrators, these super talented artists to, to yeah. draw pirate dinosaurs and, and to draw dragons meeting humans. And I mean, it's just, it's so cool. Right, right. And so how, how involved is that process? Like how often are you talking to the artists? And, and like, what's that like? Can you say something like, you know, I really think this like Stegosaura pirate, like it really needs a few, like the, the, the scales need to be a little bit sharper. Like, do you have that kind of creative control? Uh, actually the interesting thing is, so I'm at the beginning of my career and hopefully it it goes on for a while. Um, but, uh, right now, no, I don't even talk to the illustrators while they're working. Everything goes through the publisher. And that totally makes sense, by the way. Uh, I don't know how to design the cover of a book and what will look good as a tiny little half inch by half inch icon when you're buying it from some online retailer or what will look good face out on the shelf of a bookstore. Um, I don't know how to distribute the books around the country. I don't know how to get them printed and shipped over from China and all that stuff. And I know that self-publishing is easier to do these days, but getting getting your book into a bookstore is a big thing that a publisher can do that I couldn't do that on my own. Right. And, and it's kind of nice. I get to stick to just the more of the creative process and not have to worry so much yeah. about about all that. But that being said, because because the publisher is the one who is uh, spending all the time and, and resources to get turn this into a book, they want to have control over what it ends up looking like. And and actually, it works out really well too because so I talk to my editor. And my editor will talk to the people at the publisher, like the art director. The art director is the person that works with the illustrator. And so if if they sometimes they ask me for advice and sometimes they're just like, hey, here's what the illustrations look like. And frankly, I have absolutely no complaints about 
anything right. anyone has done. It's it's so amazing. Yeah. But if I did, I would just tell my editor, and my editor could decide, do I even bother telling the art director? And the art director could decide, do I even bother telling the illustrator? Like, is this something that the publisher wants to do? Um, and on and and that's a good thing because then I'm not telling the illustrator, hey, I I wanted those scales to be a little sharper or something like that. Yeah. You know, we don't. We don't want to get cause cause any any tension there. So yeah. it's better that it works that way. But it also is better that because what if I said something to the illustrator like, oh, I love the way that you drew this uh, this guy's skeleton or this guy's scales or something like that. But the publisher didn't, and they wanted him to change it. So I also don't want to say anything too good to the illustrator right, because right. what if what if then he's going to be like, well, Josh said he liked the scales, blah blah blah. So I, you know, it ends up working out great that yeah. I don't have any control. Now as time goes on, they may they may. Uh, I may pair, be paired with an illustrator earlier on in the process, depending on how things go, if I'm friendly with them and whatnot. But for right now, it's it's there's no control at all. But it's totally cool and expected that way. It's, that's yeah. one of those things you learn as you as you work on yeah. how to. Was that was that su- yeah was that surprising to to find out that that's I mean I, I imagine like you know so I'm started I've started a podcast and I'm 45 episodes in and and it's always interesting like how things play out and and you never really can predict like how the how the the community will respond essentially right like will i get 100 listens or will i get two or will i get 50 or will i get a thousand like you know it's it's very up and down so i I think that like the expectation is similar in that you know the learning curve i actually should say rather than the expectation like the learning curve of like here's my idea for a book and then you you know I am shocked in a great way and in a nice way to hear that so many people are involved in the creation of your book. You know, like it's not just you and it's not just a, a fella or, or a lady sitting in a room like here's the idea, you know, bigger nostrils on the dragon or whatever it is. But like the, that you give them the story and then it's like get creative. Like here's my words, like make it, make it visual, make it happen. So that learning curve had to be pretty steep just to learn the ins and outs of the business side. Yeah, and you you learn a lot go um, in advance when you're going to conferences and things like that. And so you learn at that point, you know, the artist does not have any control. I mean, the the author doesn't have control over the art and things like that. So, you know, I knew that before I had sold a book, but before you sell a book, you know, there's there's just there's all these hurdles along the way. You know, trying to get an agent, trying to get you know, and then once you once you sign with an agent. You, you know, you think you've made it and then the agent keeps getting rejections on your work from the publishers and then the publishers like it. And then, yeah, you sold a book, but now you have to make sure what happens if, if people don't buy it at the store and things like that. Yeah. It, all on, and you get reviews from different people, uh, you know, whether it's School Library Journal or Publishers Weekly. Uh, all along the way, it's, it's, it's a learning curve. But I think that the community of writers and, and ch- writing for kids, and it really goes all the way up to YA, to young adults, but we're all kind of part of the same world. Even there's a new new one called New Adults that's only been around for maybe five years, but it's basically young adults who didn't want to grow up but wanted to keep reading about 20-something-year-olds. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, it's it's such a great community of, of writers and illustrators that being a part of the, the the group of people has been so awesome and that that's one of the best the best things about being a writer yeah. so I get to hang out with all these other cool writers you know like-minded people who are interested in writing for children and uh, yeah that's a nice thing um, so y- y- what would be advice right so we have maybe some young writers listening to the show what would be your advice to them well I think one of the the best things to do is 
to read a lot and read lots and lots of different genres and formats. If you're really into fantasy, branch out and read some some historical fiction or some nonfiction sometimes. And also write write as much as you can. And and one of the things that that's interesting is every movie, every TV show, even every video game, they all have somebody who sat down, thought of an idea and wrote it down so that it could be the story that's behind those TV shows and video games and, and movies. One of my favorite games is Zelda uh-huh. and uh, The Legend of Zelda. And if Zelda has a good story, and if it didn't have a good story, it wouldn't be as good a game. There are lots of games that probably have better graphics and and, and better gameplay and action, but if, if it's not a compelling story, it's not quite as interesting. And and writing stories really is the 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 backbone of everything. So you know whether it's that you put on a puppet show with your family or your or your cousins over the holidays or you write something to make the kid on the bus next to you laugh or even something to gross somebody out um you know i mean there there are very very popular authors who write scary and gross things and people love to read that stuff so you know what just just write write for yourself write for the kid next to you, write for the, your people in your class. And writing doesn't have to be something that you just do in school. In fact, you should take what you learn in school because they're teaching the the, the backbone of everything. They're teaching the, the basics. But you can take everything you learn and use that outside of class to write whatever you want. And I see nowadays too with, with my kids, like they, they end up going on Google Docs and – they share stories with their friends and make comments on each other's stories and, and they get so excited because it's because you can you can access them from any computer and, and it's it's uh it's something that's that's a lot of fun that my daughter she loves coming up with ideas. One other thing that I've been telling my daughter lately, I, I can't point to any specific studies, but I do know that uh, I've read somewhere that as you get older, some of your creativity and imagination goes away. And so I'm telling my daughter, write down every idea you have, every wild idea for a story. Keep a pad next to your bed when, you, when you're sleeping because, you know, when you wake up and have that dream in your head, you want to be able to write that down so you don't forget it and save all of these things because someday when you're a writer, you might, you might want to look back on them. Another thing is I didn't really love writing when I was a kid. So even if they're even if you don't like writing, even if you're six or eight or twelve or fourteen, you don't like writing, you might still be an author someday. Interesting. Wow. Okay, that is good advice. Thank you very much. So, Josh, how can we uh, how can we follow you? How can we find you? I'm pretty much Josh Funk Books everywhere. Uh, all one word: Josh Funk Books. J O S H F U N K B O O K S. Uh, on Twitter, Josh Funk Books, and um, I'm on Instagram a little bit, but I'm really on Twitter. That's how you found me. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I have fun with Twitter. Twitter yeah. is just all about, sh- sh- well, for me, uh, <laughs> sharing good vibes with, right. with other people, right. other creative people. And I like to share other author friends of mine, their books and and yeah. uh, and things like that, and, and reviews by librarians and teachers, because those are our people, right. you know, um, and, and things, because they, you know, these teachers, they work so hard. They write blog posts and 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 they they still work eighty hour weeks as educators. But uh, yeah, sorry, I'm I'm going. Oh, no, it's good. It's I good. I didn't know that. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. So um, joshfunkbooks.com is my website, and I've got coloring pages on there. There, I've made book trailers for uh, for all the nice. books, and uh, including the stinky stench 
that one just premiered and um and yeah, so I've got do- free downloadable coloring pages that you can print from my website and uh, a whole lot of stuff. But yes. uh, thank you, thank you very much for having me. Oh man, it's really been uh, pretty amazing and pretty inspiring. I have to say, anyone who's writing books about the stinky stench is certified a okay in my book. That's amazing. So we'll look Make for sure. that. Yeah, when is that? When is that coming out? Oh, May 2nd. Make sure to clean out your fridge before May 2nd, okay? Okay, all right. Get rid of that stinky stench. Yeah, no spoilers, but make (laughs) sure, make sure. Um, Pun intended. Pun intended. All right, Um, Josh, thanks so much. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thanks again to Josh Funk. Look for his new book, The Stinky Stench, A Lady Pancake and Sir French Toast Story, a sequel. He's got lots of other great books. Make sure to check out his website. You can look him up on Amazon. You can find him at lots and lots of different places. He's very active on Twitter. It's fun to follow. Thanks for listening. Make sure to take a moment to rate, maybe leave a comment on the old iTunes page. Check us out on Stitcher. Just hop on the website, goodstuffpod.com. Send me an email goodstuffpod at gmail.com you can even test to see if mike at goodstuffpod.com works mike at goodstuffpod.com i think we are uh, we're on the verge of changing the game in that direction so thanks to everyone for listening thanks again to josh funk we're going to see you again later this week another episode of good stuff coming your way with casper adiman remember that video you saw about a song that makes babies smile Oh yeah, I got one of the creators coming up for you, certified and bona fide. Thanks for listening. Talk to you really soon. Good stuff.